to the Veritas Mizzou podcast. Veritas is the college ministry of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. Our greatest hope is to see more and more college students believe that Jesus is more. To get connected, check out our weekly meeting on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. on Mizzou's campus. For specific details about where we meet, how to join a small group, or more information about Veritas, visit us online at veritasmizzou.com. To stay in the loop with what we're up to, follow Veritas Mizzou on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you're encouraged by this message. Everybody, welcome to Veritas. I think my sound's gonna come on in a second. There we go. Yeah, grab a seat. Great to see everyone. Great to be out here on campus at Traditions Plaza. If you don't know me, my name is Austin Connor. I am one of the co-directors here at Veritas. Behind me should be a picture of my lovely family, my wife, Polly. She's actually in the back there, and our three great, fantastic, spicy kiddos, Adeline, she's eight, Clayton, he's three, and Tyler. Some of you know them. Thank you for hanging in there with them. We took the plunge this summer at Disney in Orlando. That's where we are because we like pain, apparently. No, I'm just kidding. It's, it's a lot of fun. If you haven't been, you should go. I can't believe this, but, but I'm actually starting my 12th year working with college students here at Mizzou. And I, I was thinking about this. I think one of the reasons that I've stuck around so long is I love the city of Columbia, and I particularly love the campus of Mizzou. I did my undergrad way back here starting in 2003. I lived on the fifth floor of Gillette. Anybody living in Gillette? Yeah, what's up? A few people still up. That's good. I had the AC window unit. Plaza 900 was being built. No, I found Jed. It was a while ago. I, I moved into a fraternity my sophomore year. I may or may not have even had a chance to climb Jesse uh, behind me. If you choose to do that, you did not get the idea from me. I can't endorse that. Uh, but, but, but I love the campus. I, I, I've been here, and, and, I, and I love it. But another reason that I, that I love my job, and probably more importantly, is that I love working alongside students like you. Uh, whether you're a freshman who just moved to campus uh, last week, whether you're an upperclassman starting your final year, whether you're a transfer student from somewhere else, whether you are uh, going to another university here in town, Columbia College, Moberly, Stevens, whoever you are, and wherever you find yourself, me and all the other staff members, there's, there's 12 of us total, we're really, really glad uh, to work with you. We're, we're glad to work alongside you and to serve you. And, and so no matter if this is your very first time at Veritas or if this is your 100th time at Veritas, we're glad that you're here. I mentioned my uh, family earlier, my spicy kiddos. Perhaps the spiciest of all is Adeline. She is eight going on 18 She's sassy, she's passionate, she has a flair for the dramatic. We came across a great story a couple weeks ago. My wife and I, these things happen, and part of us is like, we're dealing with it, then the other part of us is like, oh, this is so great, I'm going to tell this in a sermon sometime. This is one of these things. So she's outside riding her bike, uh, playing around on her front lawn. Now, here's what actually happened, okay? She saw a car coming, and she kind of got freaked out, and she had to bail off her bike, fell off her bike. But the thing was, this happened at 0.25 speed, okay? The car was inching along the road, clearly saw Adeline. Adeline saw it and slowly moved. There's this patch of grass, and she kind of set her bike down and then fell off. But by the sound of it, you would have thought she lost a limb. You would thought she's bleeding out. It was crazy, right? The next day, my wife and I, we found a video uh, on, on Polly's phone that Adeline felt that the world needed to know what she thought happened to her. Let's take a look. 
So you guys, I literally, literally just fell off a bike and I am dripping down blood all over me. Um, I fell off it and I was trying to get away from the car and yeah, it was oh, bad. Yeah. Oh, it was oh, bad. Oh, I want to keep that video. I want to warn her future husband with it if it's in her cards. Uh, love my daughter. Glad she's okay. But, but she got it wrong. She did not bleed everywhere. There was not a car trying to get her. She didn't have to get away from the car because it was never getting her. So, you know, the picture in her mind of what happened did not actually match the reality of what happened. Now, that video is as cute and lighthearted and funny as it was. It's, it's a good reminder that sometimes people can get it wrong. 1879, a guy named George DeLong, he sets out with a crew of sailors, and they're going to head to the North Pole, and they're going to claim it for the United States. And he planned this expedition on the assumption that the North Pole was what was called an open polar sea. Now, this is not a joke. All the experts of the day thought that there was an open polar sea at the North Pole. It should be a picture behind me. So they, they knew that everybody was encountering lots of ice, Captain Obvious here, right? But what they thought was that it was just a ring of ice. And what they had to find was what was called a thermometric gateway. And all they thought that was was basically this path, some warmer waters where they could they just cut through that ring of ice. They could get to this open polar sea, and it was warm. It was, it was teeming with life. Many people thought there was some sort of lost civilization there. And so that's what the picture George DeLong and his crew had in their minds as they set out to claim the North Pole for the United States. But a few months later, they encountered a very different reality. After months of searching for any sort of gap in the ice, George DeLong abandoned that former picture based on the new reality. He said in one of his journal entries, I pronounce the thermometric gateway a hoax, a delusion, and a snare. Unfortunately for him and his team, their wrong picture, it had some pretty dire consequences. You see, eventually they got stuck in the ice and there was another shelf of ice that slammed into their ship and sunk it. And only a few people escaped, made it out to Siberia. That's how we know what happened. But George DeLong and most of his crew, they actually died. All because of this false picture that did not match reality. How about this one? If you didn't know, every year the NFL has a combine where, where prospective players get evaluated on their skills. And the NFL, they send coaches and scouts and people to, to check and see if these players want to get drafted. This is a picture of one of the players at the 2000 draft. Now, at first glance, this guy looks like a scout. He looks like he'd be on the sidelines evaluating the talent. Or he also I think he looks like you know the before and after transformation picture. This is the before picture, right? Well, it turns out this is a picture of Tom Brady. And since the time this picture was taken, all he's done is become probably the best quarterback in NFL history. He's won six Super Bowls, four Super Bowl MVPs, three league MVPs. You see, in this picture, Tom Brady, he looked unimpressive. And he actually tested unimpressive. His 40-yard dash was 5.28 seconds. That was middle of the road for offensive linemen. Moreover, he didn't even win the starting job at, at Michigan, the college where he went to. So very unimpressive uh, picture. But of course... If you know the story, the, the, the coaches and the scouts, they had no idea who he really was. And so every NFL team passed on him, not once, not twice, but five times. 
He was the 198th pick in that year's draft. Finally, the Patriots took a chance and drafted him, and the rest is history. You see, those NFL executives and coaches and scouts, they, they got it wrong. Now, think about it. These guys were paid really well. They had a lot of experience. They were trained. You got to be pretty sharp to get that job, and yet they got it wrong. And that mistake had huge consequences for every other team except the Patriots. Why? Well, because every other team, especially the Chiefs of recent age, they just keep getting beat by Brady again and again and again. And probably several execs and scouts have been fired because they haven't been able to beat Tom Brady. See, that choice, that picture in their minds, that had consequences down the road, all because they got it wrong. Why am I telling you these stories? Well, I'm telling you the stories because it highlights the reality that human beings, people like you and me, smart, intelligent, sharp people, we can get it wrong sometimes. They show that it's possible to have a picture of something in our heads that doesn't actually match the reality. But it's not just explorers and it's not just celebrities who have this problem. We have that problem. We all know what this is like. Think movies, right? You've read the Rotten Tomatoes reviews. You've talked to friends. You've got to see... Uh, what's the, oh gosh, all the car movies, goodness gracious, Fast and Furious 12, whatever number it is, it's awesome. Then you go in, and it didn't quite match reality. You're a little bit disappointed. Or restaurants, right? You hear, you gotta go to this city, you gotta go to this place, and you gotta get this. So you have a picture in your mind, but then you go, and it's kind of like, meh, not so good. We all know what that is like. Maybe even thus far, you have gotten your college experience wrong. You thought the first few days of your freshman year here on campus was going to look a lot different. You thought that your roommate was going to be someone different than they are. You thought you were going to be able to get into that fraternity or that sorority that you were hoping to, but, but you didn't. You thought that you'd have met more people by now, but you're already lonely. Maybe you've got a picture of what life would look like by the time you were an upperclassman. But the reality of your life now, it's not matching that picture. You thought you'd have a different roommate. You thought you'd have a better track to a job. You thought that you had have an idea of what area of study you're actually going to be studying. But that picture of what you thought, it's not matching reality. If people can get it wrong about history and sports people and movies and food and our college experiences, do you think it's so crazy to believe that we could get it wrong spiritually? Is that so crazy to believe? More specifically, is it possible for you and I to have a picture of who Jesus is in our minds that actually doesn't match the reality of who he is? Well, Jesus himself seemed uh, to think so. Tonight, we're going to pick it up in the New Testament Gospel of Matthew. Be in chapter 16. Now, a gospel is just a book that is sort of telling the life and the teachings of Jesus, kind of like a biography. And there's four different ones Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all from a different author, all a little bit of a different perspective, but they all are telling the story, the biography of the life and teachings of Jesus. So if we get to Matthew 16, Jesus has begun his public ministry. He's walking around, teaching crowds, healing people, and doing many other amazing things. Verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Now that phrase, the Son of Man, that's just a reference, a title Jesus applied to himself fairly often. So, so in this verse, Jesus is having a private conversation with his 12 disciples. And you know what's interesting? Notice that he assumes the people in this region of Caesarea Philippi, he assumes that they have a picture 
of who he is. It says, who do you people say the son of man is? Now, this region is filled with Gentiles. That's just non-Jewish people. Gentiles, the people living here, most of them were polytheists. They are worshiping multiple gods. Here's actually a picture of modern-day Caesarea Philippi. You can see carved out in this cave is a space where people would set idols in the caves and worship and bow down to these gods. These people were, for the most part, unfamiliar with the history of the Jewish people. They had no idea that the Jewish people were unique because they worshiped Yahweh, who they said was the true God of the universe. They knew hardly anything about their history, about how they were enslaved by Egypt and set free and promised a new land. They had no idea about these different kings in Israel's history or how they got overrun by the Babylonians and how they went into exile and how they came back to the promised land. They knew hardly anything. And yet, they have a picture of who Jesus is. Maybe some of you here tonight, maybe you can identify with the people in that region because you don't know a lot about the Bible. You don't know much about Christianity. Maybe you haven't gone so much to church. And so when you hear that name Yahweh, that's the weirdest thing you've ever heard. You have no idea who the Israelites are. You have no idea what Babylon is. You know zero. And if that's you, that's glad. That's, that's fine. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad you've taken out a night of your week to be here. Others of you, you might have grown up in church your entire life. You're very familiar. You read the Bible a lot. You know a lot of history and things about Jesus. And if that's you, that's great too. But, but, but whoever you are and wherever you find yourself spiritually, I want you to see everybody here has a picture of who Jesus is. So what is that picture? Who do you say that Jesus is? Let me press in just a little bit more here. And, and this might be the most important question of the night. Do you even care that that picture of who Jesus is in your mind matches the reality? Do you even care about that? If you don't, I think you should. You should care if you have a false picture of Jesus because if you do, you're gonna be less satisfied in the long run because that imitation Imitation false Jesus is never good as the real thing. A false Jesus cannot make promises, cannot deliver on promises that the real Jesus can. A false Jesus can't satisfy us, can't satisfy you the way that the real Jesus can. Moreover, if you and I have a false picture of Jesus, we're gonna be less likely to listen and to love and to learn from the real Jesus. In fact, we might think we're following Jesus. We might think we know what Jesus says, but it turns out if we've got a false picture of Jesus, then we're not following him at all. Does that bother you? If not, it should. Who do you say that I am? Verse 14 Jesus' disciples, they reply to that question. They say, well, people, some people say that you're John the Baptist. Others say Elijah and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Verse 15, but Jesus says, what about you? What about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? So the disciples, uh, they tell Jesus that people are saying three different things about who he is. One, John the Baptist. Elijah and Jeremiah are, are one of the prophets. Now, we don't have time to delve into the specifics of who these people are and why they believed that Jesus thought he was one of them. For now, it's enough to know John the Baptist was a guy who died a couple years before. And Elijah and Jeremiah and the prophets, they were well-known figures who lived hundreds of years before. But, but notice the response of Jesus after the disciples tell him that. He says, but what about you? 
Who do you say that I am? Here's why that's important. You see, Jesus wasn't primarily interested in what his disciples thought other people's picture was. He was most interested in what their picture was. The same is true of every single person here tonight. It's great if you can name all the other pictures of Jesus out there. That's awesome. But what Jesus is most interested in is what is your picture of Jesus. He's interested in that picture. That's a question that you and I have to wrestle with and we have to think through and we have to answer. We cannot skirt this issue. To not have an opinion is actually to have an opinion. To not have a picture is actually to have a picture. So who do you say Jesus is? Maybe you've seen this good clip. Ricky Bobby, God love him, he had a picture. Let's watch. Dear Lord baby Jesus, we also thank you for my wife's father, Chip. We hope that you can use your baby Jesus powers to heal him and his horrible leg. And it smells terrible and the dogs are always mm. bothering with it. Mm. Dear tiny infant Jesus. Hey, um, you know, sweetie, Jesus did grow up. You don't always have to call him baby. It's a bit odd and off-putting to pray to a baby. Well, look, I like the Christmas Jesus best and I'm saying grace. When you say grace, you can say it to grown-up Jesus or teenage Jesus or bearded Jesus or whoever you want. You know what I want? I want you to do this grace good. So that God will let us win tomorrow. Your tiny Jesus, your golden fleece diapers with your tiny little fat balled up fist. Paul was a man. He had a beard. Look, I like the baby version the best. Do you hear me? I win the races and I get the money. Ricky, finish the damn grace. I like to picture Jesus in a tuxedo t-shirt because it says like, I want to be formal, but I'm here to party too. I like to party, so I like my Jesus to party. I like to picture Jesus as a ninja fighting off evil samurai. I like to think of Jesus like with giant eagle's wings yeah. and singing lead vocals for Leonard Skinner with like an angel band. And I'm in the front row and I'm hammered drunk. Hey, Cal, why don't you just shut up? Yes, ma'am. That's great, right? You, you get it, right? Lots of different pictures of Jesus out there. More to the point and more relevant to our context, I asked a few of you who were kind enough to kind of think about this question. Just what do you, peop, what do you hear people say about Jesus? Who is he? What are those pictures that are out there? And no surprise, I got several different answers. What I want to do is I just want to walk through some of these. There's five of them. These aren't the only pictures of Jesus. There might be more legitimate ones, but they tended to fall into five different categories that are fairly common today. The first one is Jesus is the good moral teacher. There's a guy uh, who writes uh, uh, opinion pieces for the Columbia Tribune. His name's Hank Waters. And a couple years ago during Christmas time, he, he submitted uh, a piece about Jesus in the Tribune. This is what he said. He said, we can believe Jesus infuriated the political establishment and was executed by crucifixion a common criminal justice punishment of the day. But I can't believe in a few days his body was literally transferred to heaven. Surely the story is meant to mean something spiritual rather than physical. Let him, let Jesus be an extraordinary mortal who created a historic following by preaching how to live and act without our having to believe in impossible events that strain credulity. We can recognize the value of Jesus in Christianity without having to believe he really made wine from water or that God is literally real. 
Jesus as a good moral teacher. I can't tell you the amount of conversations and amount of students I've talked with over the years who have this picture of Jesus in their minds, right? He, he taught amazing lessons of love, and we should all strive to live them out in our own lives. He's, he's on par with the great teachers of the age, like Confucius and Buddha and Gandhi and Martin Luther King Jr., but we shouldn't go as far to say that Jesus was God, right? Is that, is that your picture? Next picture, there's 911 Jesus, in other words, Jesus is there for emergencies. You know, he's the one you call when life gets tough. He's the one you pray to when you need something. When that crisis passes, though, of, of course you're thankful for Jesus. You're thankful he heard you, thankful he helped you get out of it. But then you kind of move on. You hang up the phone, so to speak. Uh, and if and when things go south again, of course you're going to call him up. A few years ago, I met a college student, we'll call him Steve, and Steve came to one of the meetings like this, and he wanted to stay after and talk more, and I asked him, you know, how did he get involved, why did he start coming, and he told me that for the first time in his life, he didn't know where he was going. You see, he got rejected from a degree program that he had bet all of his life on, basically all his chips were, or all his eggs were in this basket, and he didn't get in, and he was devastated. He was tailspinning. And so he, he heard about Veritas from some friends, and he thought he'd try it out, and he, and he started coming around. And, and over the next few months, we started to meet up, and, and lo and behold, he, he came to Tuesday nights. He even got involved in a small group, started learning about Jesus, discussing Jesus, asking questions about Jesus. But, but about a year later, I, I didn't see Steve around too much anymore. We'd see him every now and then. It turned into not at all. I followed up with his small group leaders. I said, hey, have, have you seen Steve around? And they said, you know, actually, he hadn't been coming around as much. A couple, couple months after that, I actually ran into him uh, in the student center. And I said, hey, Steve, how you doing, man? And he was really nice. And we just kind of caught up. I asked him how he was doing. And he told me, you know, by an act of God, a spot opened up in that career path. He was able to get back into it. And his life was, was back on track. Now, of course, I, I told him in the moment, that's great, glad for him. I didn't ask him, hey, where you been? That would have been a little awkward. And it was kind of clear that he didn't want to talk about why he hadn't uh, been around. Now, now, I don't know for sure. But if I had to bet, I'd be willing to bet that Steve had a 911 picture of Jesus in his mind. That crisis in his life, when he didn't get into that program, it moved him to call up Jesus, take an interest in Jesus, ask him for help. But then when he got into that program, when the crisis passed, he, he said, thanks, Jesus, you've been helpful. And Hung up the phone. Do you know people like this? Is that, does that tend to be your picture of Jesus? Next one, a little bit closely related to 911 Jesus, is Jesus the vending machine, right? This is Jesus who you go to and you ask for something that you want. It could be anything, right? It could be good things, a relationship, a job, a friend, an internship, all good things. But at the end of the day, this Jesus is just a, a means to an end. He's there for you to give you what you want. You know people like this? Is this your picture of Jesus? Next picture, number four, is Jesus the yes man. Story about my mom. A week before my freshman year, we kind of had all of the, you know, the schedule was lined up, things ready to go, and I was looking through just activities, things to do to get involved here at Mizzou, and I asked my mom, because she went to Mizzou, I said, hey, what do, what do you think? Uh, what, what should I get interested in? What, what, what looks good to me? And she said, Austin, you know, honey, I, I, I really don't care. I don't care what you do. What I want from you is I want you to be happy. 
I just want you to be happy. And in many ways, that captures the spirit of Jesus, the yes man, right? He doesn't care. This is Jesus doesn't care what we do, doesn't care where our lives go, so long as we find a place that makes us happy, that makes us comfortable, that gives us meaning and significance and value. This Jesus, he would never, ever say no to us. This Jesus just wants us to find our cause, our place, our purpose, so that we can be happy, so that we can be fulfilled. Is this your view of Jesus? Let me ask it a different way. Uh, Do you think Jesus would ever say no to you? Would he ever challenge a decision that you made? If there was something that you wanted, would he ever draw the line and say, that's actually not good for you, even if you were passionate about uh, pursuing it? If Jesus saying no to you sounds like an oxymoron, is there something that's impossible? Well, then this might be your picture of Jesus, Jesus the yes man. Last and not least is Sunday Jesus. This Jesus just cares about what goes on in your life on Sunday mornings at church. Uh, he has a lot to say about life, uh, about your life on Sundays, but not much else to say uh, Monday through Saturday. This was, honestly, this was my picture of Jesus growing up. I grew up going to church. A lot of times my mom forced me. The worst was in high school when I couldn't drive yet. She'd come in, she'd fling the covers off, turn on the lights. We're going to church, let's go. I hated it, but I love my mom. Uh, you know, I'd walk through those doors in the church and it was a fine church, good church, but just it was an older demographic. It smelled, to be honest, kind of musty and the pews reared. And sometimes I'd sit down and take notes. A lot of times I'd just doodle. And then I'd go to youth group. What a term, right? That's a weird term. I don't know. You, a group of youths. And I'd learn and make friends. But then after that, I'd, I'd, I'd leave. I'd leave all this stuff in, in, in church. Didn't think much about it Monday through Saturday. Go back to Sunday, though. I got, a, I got a lot to think about. I want to think about it last Sunday. Let me think about it a lot. And then leave. Is that your picture of Jesus, Sunday Jesus? Five pictures. Jesus, the good moral teacher. 911 Jesus. Jesus, the vending machine. Jesus, the yes man. Sunday Jesus. Which of these best fits your picture? Where do you find yourself? Where do you find others? Is it possible? Is it possible that you and I, that we've gotten it wrong, that we're off? You see, there's kernels of truth In all of these pictures of Jesus, Jesus, of course, is a good moral teacher. He teaches amazing lessons of how we should love one another. That is so true. Jesus is definitely worth going to in a crisis. If you're in a crisis, you should go to Jesus. That's a great place to go. Jesus is gracious, and he loves to give good gifts. He said it's better to give than receive. Of course, Jesus wants us to be happy. He wants us to thrive. He wants the best for us. Of course, Jesus has things to teach us on Sundays too. But Jesus is more. Jesus is more than these five pictures. Do you know that? Anybody ever gotten your name wrong? Anybody ever mischaracterized you? Anybody ever slandered you? Anybody good-naturedly tried to describe something you did or something, uh, the trait about you, and they've just gotten it wrong? What do you do in that situation? Well, of course it makes sense to correct them. Why? Because they're talking about you. You see, you get a say in who you are. You get to define those terms. It's not fair or right to let somebody else describe you and mischaracterize you. If that's true of us, doesn't it make sense for that to be true of Jesus? Doesn't it make sense that we should let Jesus get a say in who he is, let him paint that picture for us? You see, in the end, he gets to paint 
that picture. But, but who is Jesus? Verse 16, after all this discussion, Simon Peter finally answers, says, you, Jesus, you are the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. In other words, Peter, you're right. You got it right. Jesus is the Messiah, the son of the living God. That word Messiah, that's not a word that, that, that we use, at least I use a lot today, but in Jesus' day, that was a loaded term. You claim to be the Messiah, you're saying a lot. Here's what you're saying. I'm king. I'm interested in reigning and ruling. And so when Jesus called himself the Messiah, that's a bell. I'm going to keep talking. We'll pretend like we don't hear it. When he called himself the Messiah, he declared himself king over all things. He's reigning, he's ruling, he's upholding, he's sustaining and controlling every square inch of this world. Everything, bells included. Colossians 1, we read it, read it earlier. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together. Jesus is king. He's king of Mizzou's campus. He's reigning on your dorm floor in Gillette and Hudson and Discovery and every other dorm. He is ruling over DU, ruling over Theta, ATO, CHIO, insert whatever fraternity or sorority. He's upholding your class schedule. He's sustaining your friendships. He's controlling the entirety of your life. Jesus is not a king we ask to put suggestions into the box of our lives. He's the king who determines its trajectory. Do you know that? Is that your picture of Jesus? Jesus also tells us he's the son of the living God. I wish we had more time to camp out here and unpack this phrase a little bit more and the implications. We can't. Uh, but if, if for now, it's enough to say that this shows that Jesus isn't just a good moral teacher. He never claimed to just be a good moral teacher. He has a unique and a special relationship with God. He's God's son. And here's the incredible claim of the Bible. King Jesus, the son of God, he stepped into the story that he himself was writing. He stepped into the story that he himself was writing. That's the heart of the story. He actually lived. He actually died a painful, humiliating, and public death, but he didn't stay dead. He walked out of that tomb three days later, and he's alive to this very day, and he's inviting every single person here tonight, every single person on this campus and in this city, and every single person in this world to play a significant and a meaningful part in the story that he is writing because our lives are in his his story. His story is in, not in our story. Do you see that? Our stories fit into Jesus's story. Can you imagine that? Every single person, yourself included, having significance and worth and value. Every single person, yourself included, being pursued, being inquired after, being wanted. No more loneliness. No more being forgotten. Somebody's calling you up and saying, hey, I noticed you're not here. Why weren't you here? Every single person, yourself included, playing some task, some role that's not meaningless, that's not pointless, but that is gonna be meaningful regardless of if we can see that or not. Nothing is pointless or meaningless in this story. You see, King Jesus died to make this your reality, to make this your story. It's actually possible.
Is this your picture of Jesus? If, if, if it's not, I, I understand it. I get it. In fact, I actually, I might have lost some of you. I might have lost some of you. When I started talking about pictures of Jesus, you might have tuned me out. You might have thought, here we go again. Same old stuff. I, I get it. I've, I've been there. You might be offended that I would suggest that Jesus is the, the Messiah, the Son of God. You might, uh, you might not like the idea of, of giving Jesus a say in your life. That's not what you think. I might have lost some of you because, honestly, you just don't care. You're apathetic about Jesus. Not worth your time. I, I, I get it. I get it, but, but can I ask you to do one thing? In fact, can I ask all of us just to, do, just to do one thing? If you leave, I want you to do one thing. Would you reconsider your picture of Jesus? Would you reconsider whether it's worth adjusting that picture of who Jesus is in your mind to the reality of who Jesus is in the Bible? Because it's there. It's trustworthy. Do you think that's worth it to spend some time doing Would you? Would you reconsider that maybe it is? I'm asking you to reconsider Jesus because Jesus is more. He's Messiah. He's King. He is the Son of the living God. Jesus is the one that you and I were made to live for. Our individual stories, they find meaning in his bigger story. They find meaning in that larger story. And it just works when our lives are aligned with his purposes. That's what he wants. If your picture of Jesus doesn't match this, then you're getting it wrong. And if you're getting it wrong, then you're settling for an imitation. Imitation Jesus is never good as the real Jesus. Imitation Jesus can't deliver the promises that you really want. Imitation Jesus is always gonna let you down, always leave you wanting more. If you've got Jesus wrong, if that picture is false, then you're not listening, you're not loving, you're not learning from the real Jesus. You might think you are, but in the end, you might find out that you were never following and loving Jesus in the first place. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. Reconsider your picture of Jesus. As the music team comes up, I'm going to ask one last question. Would you stick with us? Would you, would you stick with us? Would you stay around and reconsider the real Jesus with us? You see, Jesus is not some inaccessible secret. He's not trying to hide himself. Jesus is available to learn about and to listen to in the Bible, he's available for public consumption. Let's read it. That search for Jesus, it, it, it's not an individual sport. It is. We have to have a personal relationship with Jesus, but it's not just an individual sport. It's a group project. We were meant to do this, to consider Jesus together. So w- would you take that next step with us? Would you come to the next Veritas? It's going to be downtown at Missouri Theater next week. We'll tell you more about that. Would you consider joining a small group? If you're a freshman, would you consider coming to Fresh Thursdays here in a couple nights at the shack? Would you reconsider Jesus with us? Reconsidering the real Jesus, it's a process. It takes time. Sometimes a two-step forward, one-step back a process. It takes time, but it's worth it. I promise you it's worth it because Jesus is more. Jesus is more. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Veritas Mizzou podcast. If you were encouraged by this message, please be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This helps other people find our content so that they can be encouraged too. Most importantly, to get connected to Veritas, check out our weekly meeting on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. on Mizzou's campus. 
For specific details about where we meet, how to join a small group, or more information about Veritas, visit us online at veritasmizzou.com. To stay in the loop with what we're up to, follow Veritas Mizzou on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening.